According to the National Association of Realtors, 33% of all home buyers in 2020 and 2021 were first-time home buyers. Residents between the ages of 30 and 39 made up 52% of those who bought homes in the same time span. And 88% of buyers were 29 or younger. DJ Stephanopoulos is an Atlanta-based real estate agent who specializes in assisting first-time home buyers getting the most bang for their buck. He's also an inquisitive storyteller with plenty of interesting stories to share. So without further delay, uh, let's learn about real estate and what makes DJ ignite his passion for what he does each and every day. I'm Kevin McShann. Uh, let's have this conversation. program and I'm super excited to talk real estate with you this afternoon. Great to be with you and uh, uh, thanks so very much for being here. Thanks, great to be here. So today I know that a large part of what you do is helping uh, first-time home buyers sort of realize the a dream of home ownership. So I'm wondering if we can start our conversation by you simply spelling out for, for me some easy steps that uh, first-time home buyers can take to make the home buying process a little bit easier. Okay, so uh, I went to Syracuse for undergrad, and their motto is in Latin, but it translates to something that goes like this, knowledge crowns those who seek it. Um, so in other words, the more you know about the process and where you're getting into, the better off you are. Uh, specifically for home buyers, I think it's stressful because people don't have a great understanding of how it works and so aren't well prepared for it. And not knowing and or not understanding something creates a lot of stress and fear in people. So to alleviate this, I spend a lot of time upfront educating people on what the process looks like, what to expect, and ways to deal with the unexpected. And the communication happens at multiple levels over time. Um, I find that you have to provide the right level of detail when it's needed. I don't tell people everything they possibly need to know right up front because that alone would overwhelm them and create even more stress. So I give a high level overview and then I provide details as we move through the process and where needed, um, identify and warn people about what's going to happen next with possible outcomes and how to address them before they actually happen. I find that people don't like bad surprises and they tend to blame the realtor. So by taking this approach, uh, there really should be no surprises. Um, for example, if the home you're buying doesn't appraise, here are your options, here's what could happen. So think about how you would react if that does happen. And then over time, the more they think about it and what they would do, 
stressful it becomes because they've essentially thought through it long before it actually happens. Yeah, absolutely. And you say part of your job, as you said in the last answer, is educating people. And you're also telling that you're a great storyteller. So tell me about the process of educating home buyers and some of the great stories that you may want to share with me this afternoon. Okay, so um, giving people information isn't as impactful as telling a story is. If all I do is show them a PowerPoint slide with information on it, I'll probably lose them. On the other hand, people relate to stories and that relatability means they understand what you're telling them more, they connect to it and they remember it. So I always try to tell real life stories to illustrate my points. They can be about me or about past clients. For example, I can tell people Again, that the home they're buying may not appraise, and if it doesn't, they have the right to ask the seller to lower the price and then negotiate who pays that difference. That's pretty dry. But because I have personal experience where the home I was selling did not appraise and where the home I was buying over appraised, I can tell them that story. I can say, when I sold my first home, it came in $12,000 lower than the contract price, and my buyers were cash strapped and refused to pay the difference. And I was already under contract on my new home, so there wasn't really a lot I could do except lower the price. But the good news is that they may end up on the other side of this eventually, so it all evens out. When I bought my third home, it appraised for $17,000 more than the contract price. So that elation more than offset the negative experience I had on the first sale. It's almost as if by telling them my personal stories... I'm getting them to feel what I was feeling and empathize with me. So they're mentally and emotionally preparing for something that could happen to them. So when and if it does happen, they have, in some sense, already lived through it vicariously by listening to my story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and DJ, tell me, how did you get into this career path? How did you gravitate uh, towards real estate? Okay, well, uh, I know I was supposed to buy a home as soon as I could possibly afford it in order to build long-term wealth, but my first job out of college was on Wall Street, and living across the river in New Jersey, although affordable, wasn't the most affordable place for a first-time homebuyer. So I saved my money and considered buying a small condominium there when I had about $60,000 saved, but instead, I moved to Atlanta, where the cost of living was much lower. I remember considering homes at two price points, $190,000 and $240,000. And even though I was scared, I went for the more expensive one. And then I bought an investment property in Miami Beach two years later, and another one in Atlanta three years after that. So that's kind of how it all started from a buyer perspective. I owned the first home for about 17 years, and it didn't appreciate that much. But the second one did, and the third one is doing just as well. I've since sold both investment properties, so I'm not a landlord anymore. Long story short, I'm living proof of how the equity you build in your home can create longer-term wealth. Um, in other words, real estate is a great investment because as you're paying down the mortgage, the home is appreciating on its own, uh, meaning when you own it free and clear, it should be worth a lot more than what you paid for it. I knew personally that I would eventually get my real estate license when I retired, but after getting laid off for the second time in 2017, I decided the time was right then. Uh, I'm very much a chameleon, so redefining myself was really exciting after 
spending over 30 years thinking that the only thing I could do was work for a big corporation. Uh, my parents instilled that in me because they weren't financially stable growing up and they wanted me to have a better life. And that's what they believed was a surefire way to have one. So I've been in the business for almost five years now. And how's it going for you? What do you like most about it? And, and what surprised you most about the business? I'm curious. Um, I think what I like most is it uses a really wide variety of skills that were either or totally untapped in my corporate jobs. My corporate jobs were very one note, uh, very methodical, very logical. This is a much more creative space um, in terms of marketing, which I had no experience in. Um, it's very people oriented. Um, it's very legal in some respects regarding all the contracts, but it's such a wide variety of skills that I really like getting to execute all of those things um, and developing new skills at the same time where I didn't really have that opportunity in my corporate job. So I, I think it's a much wider spectrum of skills and that's probably what I like most about it. And has anything surprised you about it that you weren't expecting that's been a pleasant surprise? Uh, <laughs> I think um, what's really surprising is it's, probably a lot harder than it looks on the surface to an outsider. Uh, and I think uh, most people look at it and, and based on things like reality TV and maybe uh, realtor friends that, that they know, they think, they think it's easier than it really is. They think it's more glamorous than it really is. And that's primarily because they don't really see what's going on behind the scenes on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's not really what it looks like for the most part, not to say it's not a great, career choice or field to be in it's just not that accurately represented in the world i think yeah hey, well anything can be doctored up in tv editing right true exactly yes and today i know you also help people with innovative products to buy and sell uh, their properties so i'm wondering if you can tell me about that Sure. Uh, there are a lot of startups in real estate space right now solving age-old problems with new processes and technology, and I'm very much an early adopter of these. Um, I've gotten certified in three products that solve the age-old problem of having to sell before you buy. And these products are Homeward, Ribbon, and Knock. Um, so I'll just explain how these work. Until now, you really couldn't buy your new home until you sold your old one because you needed to get that money out of your old home. But now you can actually buy your new home first and then sell your old home. Plus some of these products will turn your offer into an all cash offer, which makes it very attractive in a competitive market like the one we're in now. Um, Homeward buys your new home for you with cash. You move in and pay them rent and then you buy it back from them. In Georgia, you pay them only one point of the price of the new home if you use their lender. And if you don't have a home to sell, it's totally free. The Ribbon product is similar, but is more of a backup plan. They basically add an addendum to the contract saying that if your loan isn't approved, they'll buy the house with cash, which again, sellers love. If your loan doesn't get approved, you end up in the same situation as with Homeward. You rent from Ribbon until you can get a mortgage to buy the home back. The Knock product is the simplest of the three. Uh, they basically just loan you the equity you have in your current home so you can buy that next home first. And then you have something like six months to pay it back interest-free. Um, I did do a homeward deal last year. It was pretty complicated the first time through, 
But if I hadn't done this, my clients would not have gotten their townhouse. So despite the challenges, they absolutely love me for having taken this approach. And I hope to do it with others. Well, you know, it's always important to do your research before you hire a realtor, isn't it? Exactly, yes. And I'm curious to ask you about how your career in both finance and project development has helped you in your career as a realtor, but... Sure. Um, so the MBA in finance that I got at NYU while I was working in New York uh, plays a role in that. It helps qualify me to uh, run a small business. People may not realize this, but being a solo agent in the real estate field is essentially running a business. Your brokerage does support you, but in many ways, you're running your own show and you are wearing multiple hats at the same time. So it's it's good to have that background. Um, the fact that I'm a certified project manager weighs in even more, I think. Um, each client's transaction represents a single project that you have to manage from start to finish. If you have 10 concurrent clients, then you have to manage 10 of these projects at the same time, which is what the business world calls a project portfolio. So it's basically a suite of projects you're managing. Since I've done this at financial companies, I can easily translate those skills to real estate. For example, I have detailed spreadsheets that outline the process so I can check items off when they complete. I can monitor deadlines and track open issues just like with any other type of project. If you don't have this skill, then just the management of one client, let alone multiple clients at the same time is probably overwhelmingly complicated for many agents. So my background really, really helps here. Yeah, and I have a two part question for you. So, uh, just sharing a little bit about myself, I was actually born with what's called uh, spastic quadruple cerebral palsy. Simple means that I don't have enough oxygen in my legs to walk normally. So, I've spent a large part of my professional life uh, promoting equality uh, for mm -hmm. uh, people with disabilities in the employment field. And as it relates to real estate, uh, how do you think we can open up a more inclusive environment for uh, people with disabilities to uh, get into real estate and also to buy homes as well if they have to be modified and stuff like that. Uh, so let me basically say that I think, Kevin, that we do exactly what you're doing. I think we essentially poster child the real estate industry with disabled agents. Um, you are proving to the world that a person with cerebral palsy can be a successful podcaster, right? So similarly, we encourage and promote that people with disabilities are perfectly capable of being real estate agents so that the general public understands that and has no reservations about hiring one. Uh, yeah, showing properties is probably going to be a challenge for somebody with mobility limitations, but they can hire a showing agent to do that for them. Only a really small part of the job is physical. Most of the job is about communication. And as long as you can do that, there's really no reason why you can't succeed. So um, ironically, there are a lot of agents out there who are handicapped in other ways that people cannot see, such as the lack of knowledge and or experience. So for a physically disabled person, the disability may be much more clear to people, but they can more than make up for it in a million other ways, which means they can be actually a lot more qualified to do the job than your average agent. Uh, taking this up further, a person in a wheelchair buying a home might actually connect better with a real estate agent in a wheelchair because they have that in common, right? People tend to hire agents who look and act like them because that's who they want to work with. So the more disabled in the field, 
um, the better qualified they probably are to have disabled clients because they're basically understanding of the specific needs that a disabled person has and can probably better help them find a home that needs. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, today I live here in uh, Windsor, Ontario, Canada, and one of the trends that we're seeing in real estate for first-time home buyers is that homes are going uh, significantly over the asking price uh, because a lot of uh, there's a lot of competition for not a lot of inventory. So right. I'm, I'm curious, is are you seeing the same trend in the stage where things are going going significantly over asking price? And would you uh, characterize the current market as a seller's market? Uh, definitely yes to both of those questions. I think the pandemic kind of turned the market on its head in a way that we hadn't really seen before. Um, in general, sellers stopped selling, but buyers did not stop buying. So here in the States, we have the same situation. In a lot of parts of the country, there's less than one month supply, which means there's a huge uh, unevenness in between supply and demand. Basically, it is a strong, strong seller's market um, for a variety of reasons. So yes, uh, there are lots of bidding wars still happening. Uh, a lot of properties um, being sold at well above ask price, multiple offer situations. Uh, the days on market is pretty low right now. Probably It's probably two weeks, depending on what price point you're looking at. So because of that, um, it's making it hard for, especially first-time buyers, to get in on the market just because it is so competitive. And because it is competitive, your agent needs to know how to get your offer accepted, which kind of goes back to the innovative products I was talking about. I think most of my peers just aren't aware that those things are out there. So it makes it easier for me to kind of pull it out of my back pocket and do something like that and say, hey, I can offer, I can present an all cash offer and that's going to beat out anybody else's offer any day because I have that knowledge and experience. And I'm curious for you, uh, what are the pieces uh, of advice that you give uh, to uh, first-time home buyers about saving for a down payment or uh, being able to afford their mortgage? Um, so what I basically tell them, and I kind of went through this myself because I saved 20%. I mean, you kind of have to balance how much you want to save and how long it's going to take to save that versus missing opportunities in the market. So 20% is great because then you don't have to pay private mortgage insurance on, on top of that. Um, but there are programs out there where you can put down much less than that, whether that's 10% or 5% or 3%. The only downside to that is your mortgage payment is going to be higher, obviously, because you put down a smaller down payment. Uh, but if you're in an environment that we're in today, I mean, I would where the interest rates are historically super low, like still in the threes, although they're projected to go higher this year, um, that low of a rate is going to have probably a much longer term impact on what you pay for the home. So I would probably advise people to, you know, don't try to save 20% if you don't have to, because by the time you have that, who knows where rates are going to be and who knows where house prices are going to be. Um, save what you can um, based on your situation, yeah. So right now I'd say try to save 20%, go for a 10% or 5% if you can, just to get your foot in the door right now. 
Yeah, with the current bad conditions of the market, that's certainly practical advice. And I'm curious to ask you, what's the best part of your job? And also, what's the biggest real estate myth that you're really annoyed that you have to sort of walk home over through? I'm curious. So let me start with the second one. Uh, the biggest myth is that you'll make a lot of money quickly. I think one of the problems with the industry is that um, there aren't strong barriers to entry. All you have to do is take a pre-licensing course here in the States, pass it, and then pass the state exam. And I think because of reality TV and other misrepresentations, it attracts a lot of people who think the job is glamorous and that they're going to get rich quickly because that's all they've seen. And that's really not what happens. I think only about 10% of all agents probably make about 90% of the money. So you should be in the industry for other reasons. Uh, the potential is certainly there, but you have to really love doing it, even if the economics of it are rocky for you at times. Um, related to that point is as a single agent, you're running a business wearing every hat possible. So the success is entirely on your shoulders. You have to figure out what you can outsource to other people and what you need to spend your time focusing on. So anybody considering a career should really interview a lot of other agents to get uh, a more realistic picture of the industry before jumping in. I think the first part of your question was, what do I like best about it? Yeah, what's the best part of your job? I'm helping people um, in my corporate jobs. You know, I was solving problems and helping build technology solutions and processes, but it's not the same. I mean, you see the end result, but it's really different when it's just you and your clients and you're doing something to help them and make them happy and help them achieve their goals. That is a very tangible, gratifying thing that you feel every time, which I did not ever experience until I got into this industry. So it's a really nice feeling. It just makes you and makes you want to do your job the best way you can. Yeah, absolutely. And my final question for you is I'm curious to know how you want your personal and professional legacy to be defined. Great question. So in other words, uh, what will my obituary say? Um, professionally, I think it might say that I had a very interesting career, spending the majority of my first act in corporate jobs, running projects, programs, and portfolios in the financial services space, and that I then reinvented myself as a real estate agent and an actor almost simultaneously. That's probably about it professionally. Personally, uh, I wanted to say that I was a wonderful father who, despite all the obstacles, managed to have a family much later in life. I feel as if I've done almost everything I've wanted to do except raise children. So that is the final frontier for me. And of course, adopt more whippets. I've had two so far. Uh, my last one passed just before Christmas. So I expect to get a new one in the next six months or so. Um, and I just find having loving dogs to be extremely gratifying. Uh, what could be more selfless than adopting a dog who needs a home? And to me, it's great parenting practice. And how else do you get unconditional love? And yeah, absolutely. Well, DJ, I want to thank you for uh, uh, taking a few minutes to talk a little real estate with me, buddy. Your, uh, your efforts in the space and time on my behalf are most appreciated. And I want to thank you for engaging in conversation with me today, Bon. Sure. Thanks, Kevin. It's great being here. I enjoyed it.